Welcome to the Indestructible Wealth Podcast. This is the place where we help young entrepreneurs make, keep, and grow wealth that you can enjoy now and for years to come. I'm your host, Jack Gibson, a serial entrepreneur, founder of multiple seven and eight figure businesses and wealth building strategies. Each week, I'm gonna share my tips, resources, and secrets to help you create a plan and build the life you've dreamed of. All right, excited to be with you guys today. You know, I realized getting back from this little family vacay that I have not yet talked to you guys about a very important topic. I'm 27, 28, what, 28 podcasts in now. And I haven't talked to you guys about the next trillion dollar coin, probably one of the most valuable financial assets that you can own next to Bitcoin, the next trillion dollar crypto coin. For those of you that are familiar with the cryptocurrency space, you know what I'm talking about. Let's cover that in just a second. But of course, I got to give you a little recap of the family vacay that just got back from last night. Wow. You know, normally we rent a lake house for a week in the summer, you know, go out pontooning. This time we elected for the road trip, hotel hopping, went up to Northern Michigan and, um, it was awesome. I really enjoyed it. We went to an amusement park called Michigan Adventure. It's got uh, water park slash regular land rides. It's got this super cool ride called the Thunderhawk. It's over in Muskegon, Michigan. It's like on the left, like on the, not the left side, the west side of Michigan. And um, it's called the Thunderhawk. And damn, that's a good ride. Like that is way up there with Cedar Point, even better than the Raptor. If you've ever been to Cedar Point, you got to ride the Raptor. It's probably like the smoothest, best ride at the park, I think. And uh, Thunderhawk is, whew, that's serious. So it's kind of very similar to that. So anyways, we did that, then hit the Sleeping Bear Dunes. Uh, super, like you could go for miles up these dunes. Really uh, incredible view. And then on to Boyne Mountain, our favorite winter spot where we do skiing. But this time... First time we hit it in the summer and we did uh, mountain biking and um, hiking and I got to stare at the golf course and not play because I'm with my kids. And then from there, we went on to uh, Mackinac Island, took the ferry, did the touristy thing. Uh, kids went around on the uh, island on their bikes and then bought some fudge and then got bored and came back home. And then that was our trip and it was, uh, it was incredible. So if you guys ever want to take the fam up on a really cool experience, I think Northern Michigan has a lot to offer and beautiful, so many things to do. It is an awesome adventure during the during the summer with your fam's kids that all the all the parents that had kids like that were like little, like two, three, four, five-ish. Kara and I were like driving home. We're like, man, they all look fucking miserable. <laughs> like they, they did not look like they were enjoying themselves. So I think it's maybe something when your kids just get a little bit older, but uh, they're not too old to where they don't want to hang out with you yet. But all told, overall, I would say great experience in terms of with the fam, long lines, super short staff everywhere we went. So that part kind of sucked because people just can't find staff because everybody's getting unemployment, I guess, from what I heard. I don't know. That just doesn't make sense to me that people don't want to go back to work. But I guess if they're getting paid to not work, I, I don't know. Can't fault them too much. System problem right there. But anyways, overall, 28 times that my family annoyed me, I counted them. 
actually I lost track. It's probably much higher than that, but I do always tell them someday I am going to be sitting here bored, wishing and reminiscing of how much you kids annoyed me. So with that, let's get into one of my favorite investments. And I can't believe again, that I'm this far deep in the podcast and I haven't really hit on it. But I realize as the price is going up, I better start talking. I better hit on this and a podcast before the, pi- the the price goes beyond the buy up to range. And that's Ethereum. Ethereum. Yes. Love Ethereum. This is my highest concentration of uh, or allocation of my funds in the cryptocurrency space is in Ethereum by far. So. I don't know, 50%. And I probably, well, actually, because I have a lot of mining equipment, which I don't even know how it fucking works, to be honest with you. I just, I have a really smart guy named Adam that I've partnered with on various tech projects over the last few years that knows what he's doing. So I put up the cash, he put up the knowledge, and then uh, he gets a little percent off the top. And then I get the um, Ethereum that's mined out of that. Uh, Somehow the computers solve some type of complex puzzles or I don't know how it works. Honestly, I just put up the money and I know that I trust him. I know he knows what he's doing. And then I get about, you know, uh, one and a half Ethereum comes out of there into my account per month, which I would like it to be more, but uh, it's, it's not bad. Definitely over 50% of my total uh, crypto portfolio, I believe is in Ethereum, maybe not that high, but pretty darn close when you count the crypto mining. So I want to talk to you guys about this. You know, it did pull back quite a bit off its all-time high. Get up to forty-three hundred, went down to seventeen hundred, and then now it's climbing back up. I think as I record, I'm right around twenty-seven hundred. The guy that I subscribe to and really value his research, Tika Tawari of the Palm Beach Group, he believes Ethereum will count itself among the world's most valuable financial assets. No, actually, here's what he said. Let me make that more concrete. Ethereum will likely be more valuable than shares in Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Google, and Microsoft. That's a bold projection. So that's why he predicts ETH will be the next crypto to reach $1 trillion. I think that is very, very probable that it will be the next trillion-dollar coin. Anybody who's on the Dogecoin train to a trillion, I think you need to re-examine the crack that you are on because that is not happening. Ethereum is going to, over the long haul, crush Dogecoin and that stupid meme coin joke of a cryptocurrency that it is. Look, I'm not, I don't mean to offend anybody. It just doesn't have the long-term value and usage that Ethereum has. So let's talk a little bit about it. The next stage of software development that's happening or will happen, but it really is already happening, is happening on the blockchain, You know, not the traditional internet. And Ethereum is the world's most widely used blockchain development platform. So what that basically means, think about it this way. Microsoft was the world's most popular PC development platform in the 90s. And then Google's Android and Apple's iOS are the most popular mobile app development platforms today. They use those platforms to build their apps on top of them. 
Ethereum is and will continue to be the go-to platform for blockchain development projects. Today, it sits around a $316 billion market cap. I believe, Tika believes, lots of people believe that Ethereum will more than double over the coming year. So the buy-up recommended price on ETH right now is up to $5,000. So that means once it hits over 5,000, it's probably not safe to buy it uh, just because you're buying it at a too high of a price. And, and although we do believe it's going over to 10,000, probably within the next 12 months, crazy market volatility could happen and, and it could certainly not, that could certainly not happen. And then you bought in too high. Do believe that we could see ETH reaching $40,000 per token, but I think that that's probably several years away. Let's be aggressively getting as much as we can up to that 5,000 buy-in price. Now, when it, I'll just be honest, when it started hitting over four, I was, I stopped buying. I've been buying up to about 3K, uh, consistently adding on. I bought in it, you know, it, it dropped from 4,300. When it dropped back to 2,700, I started buying and then it drops down to 1,700. And I'm like, well, shit, I wish I would have waited, but you know, we don't know. Uh, we don't have any crystal ball. And I wasn't really upset. I mean, I knew that it was going to climb back up past my buy-in price. I knew that eventually this, I know where this coin and the value of is it long-term. So I wasn't really all that upset. You know, the only part of me was like, man, I could have bought more ETH per my money. Right. But I wasn't worried about it long-term in terms of my losing money. Right. So it was only a short-term uh, loss that I took. Overall, I mean, I'm way up on ETH because I started buying it back when it was $500 per coin. So, uh, of course, hindsight 2020, shit, why didn't I buy, you know, way more coins that back then? But obviously, I have a lot of hindsight 2020 past investments that I wish I would have gone a little bit more aggressively on. Now, this one, though, wow, think about this, okay? As the time of this recording, Ethereum hosts over 2,500 applications on it the most of any blockchain. There's 2,300 active developers currently working on the Ethereum network. The closest competitor has just 400. This is what creates what's called a network effect that attracts even more projects to Ethereum. The network effect is, think of it in terms of, uh, for those of you that remember the fax machine, okay, anytime anybody asks me to fax them something, I can't help it, I'm too sarcastic. I just say, yeah, yeah, let me fire up my flux capacitor. And I'll be happy to fax you over something like who's faxing nowadays. You scan and email things, right? But anyways, when there was only one fax machine, there was no value to the fax machine because you couldn't fax anybody. But then when there were two, then it, the value went up. As, th as it hit three, the value went up even more. As soon as everybody had a fax machine, okay, that was the network effect. So fax machines became that much more valuable. But then once everybody replaced it with, you know, they got a scanner and they could scan an email and realize that was, you know, more convenient and easier to use. Then as scans started to grow in popularity, that created a network effect for scanning, right? This is why Ethereum, their network effect is so strong. And that's why we're seeing demand for the underlying Ethereum crypto. There's two things that are about to happen that are going to absolutely skyrocket the price of Ethereum. We're seeing some major demand. 
as more users compete to use the network, so the number of daily transactions on the network reached a record high of 1.7 million last month. And as more users compete to use the network, fees spent on these transactions all reached, also reached a record high of 70 million per day, although it's pulled back a little bit, but still not too far off that. All of this demand is coming at a time when we're about to see a major reduction in the incoming supply of Ethereum. And so basic economics that I actually learned this in high school, that was valuable. When demand increases while supply decreases, prices have no option. They will have to go up. Okay. So in two, in the coming months, the two changes to Ethereum's code that are going to drastically reduce the amount of new Ethereum coming out of the market is happening right now as we speak. That's when EIP-1559 upgrade. So currently, Ethereum fees are based on the amount of traffic on the network. So when traffic is high, the miners, Adam and me, I guess, but I'm not really, a, I can't call myself a miner, but kind of, can charge more to process each transaction. The EIP-1559 upgrade is going to burn those transaction fees paid by network users instead of sending them to miners as payment. So this new base fee model will lower fees and speed up transaction times for network users, which is a big kind of complaint that people have about Ethereum is that it's too slow and the fees are too high. Last year, $8.4 billion in fees over a year. Now, what happens when over 8 billion worth of ETH disappears from circulation each year? Prices are going to go, you guess what? My favorite word, they're going parabolic. That means explode. And we've seen similar gains during like this during Bitcoin halvings. So then that's not the only supply shock coming to Ethereum. It's also transitioning from a proof of work protocol to a proof of stake protocol. In the proof of work protocol model, Miners use a powerful computers to secure the network. Okay, it sounds like I really know what I'm talking about when I mine crypto, right? <laughs> they solve met complex math problems to validate transactions on a block. The first miner who solves the problem earns the block reward. Bitcoin's an example of this model. Proof of stake miners validate transactions by staking tokens on a block. So the network chooses the miner who earns the reward based on the number of coins they own and some other factors. So since the proof of state networks don't rely on warehouses full of mining equipment, they're less expensive to run. So these networks can issue a far fewer tokens to reward miners for securing the network. This is the critical part. You guys got to stay with me right here. Under its current proof of work system, Ethereum's inflation rate is currently 4% per year. That's the amount of new ETH that it's creating each year to compensate miners. When it switches to the proof of stake model, likely by next year, it'll drop to less than 1% per year. Think about this reduction in the amount of new Ethereum is going to be coming onto the market. So when you combine the EIP 5059 upgrade with the switch to proof of stake consensus, you get a having like event that could be absolutely life-changing for ETH holders. That's why Tika feels comfortable increasing the buyout price of ETH in his Palm Beach letter portfolio to $5,000, despite its recent pullback all the way down to $1,700 from $4,300 high. Friends, I like to call you friends because you are my you are my friends. You guys send me great messages on Instagram that just warm my heart. You still get a chance to get on the ground floor of what will become the most valuable financial asset 
in the entire, let me just say this so you really get it. The most valuable fucking financial asset in the whole fucking world. Seize this opportunity right now, right now. You guys cannot wait. You guys got to get some ETH exposure if you don't have any right now. And if you buy it at 2,700 or 3,000 or wherever it's at, when you listen to this, don't like, don't sweat it. Like if it drops down to uh, 2,000 or 1,500 or 1,000, if something crazy happens, do not sweat that. Don't stare at it. Don't worry about it. This is a five-year to 10-year play to where you can really potentially move the needle on your net worth. You got an asset that's going to be very valuable. Now, there's lots of volatility in crypto. It, it is. It's just volatility is the price you pay for outsized gains in this space. So you don't need to risk your current lifestyle for a better one by doing this. So don't do anything that's not comfortable for you, but take a small allocation and pop it in here. You guys can go to Coinbase, get a uh, open up account right there. You can purchase Ethereum. That's a very easy way to do it. It, it doesn't take very long. It's very user-friendly. If you want to, though, you know you can stake it, which is essentially your, you're kind of locking up your Ethereum. If you're going to hold it for a long time, which is what I'm doing, then you can stake it and then you can earn more um, interest payment on it. Um, I like Nexo. Nexo.io is where I set up an account and, and I transferred all my Ethereum into that account so I can earn additional interest on it. That's working out well. It's just a, an easy way to generate additional stream of passive income while you're holding it. I like that play. I'm going to dive more onto a future podcast very shortly on how to, you know, how to stake your crypto and how to earn interest and passive income on it, because I think this is a pretty important subject so that you're, while you're just holding it long-term, you can uh, continue to generate additional income stream off of that asset class. You guys want to uh, follow me on Instagram. I wanted to tell you I've got uh, on that particular platform. So if you go to Instagram, it's indestructible wealth is my username. And then on my story, that's where you, if you really want to get the behind the scenes, like me with my fam, you know, being super goofy, immature, lots of that's what she says with my wife, you know, uh, all kinds of colorful language, probably, I don't know, maybe even more so than what I do on this podcast. That's a great way to follow me. I do Q and A's on there as well. So if you got questions, you can ask them right through the story. And then any question too, you guys, you can ask me in direct message on Instagram. I'd be happy to, usually I, I can answer them there. Or sometimes I just take them and answer them to So everybody can benefit, uh, post a lot of um, indestructible wealth in your life. I know you probably don't get enough on this uh, po particular podcast, right? All right. So guys, hopefully this helps clear it up a little bit more about Ethereum. If you're still like, don't understand it. If you're still confused, look, don't just buy something because I tell you to, that's never good. You want to understand what it is you're getting into. You really want to understand any type of asset that you're buying and don't buy anything though, that you're not prepared to hold for at least five years. My hold period is always a decade. And that's whether I'm starting a, a new business like this, this is a 10 year commitment. It's if I'm going to buy a crypto, I'm holding it for 10 years. If I'm, that's my plan anyways, unless something really becomes, you know, self-evident or changes that I need to pivot, but that's always the plan is the 10 year kind of commitment stocks. I'm holding them for, you know, at least 10 years. That's always the plan, right? 
because short-term volatility can shake you off of a great asset that you're going to regret later that you sold off because you know maybe the price dropped suddenly or whatnot. You don't want to be that type of investor. You want to be a long-term thinker, long-term holder. So you do your research, you understand what you're buying, you put your money in, and then you're prepared to hold it for a decade, okay? That's the way that you're really going to make, you know, that's the way you're really going to make long-term great returns. So go do your research, do some uh, additional digging. There's lots of experts on YouTube that you can follow. Here we go. Have a great day. That's a wrap for this episode on the Indestructible Wealth Podcast. If you'd like to dive deeper into your own wealth building strategy, check us out at myindestructiblewealth.com and follow along on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and yes, even TikTok. Send me your questions and your financial challenges, and I promise I'll respond. Also, I'll think you're really awesome if you'll share and leave me a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, remember our mission here is to help you make, keep, and grow wealth you can enjoy now and for years to come.